Hey, what's up? It's The Drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Happy Friday. Derek Piper, Kyle Tosk. Finishing out the week for you. you. You've made it through one. We'll play the drink button, which is well-deserved for everyone out there. If Kyle could drink, he deserves one for being a full week co-host this week. Um, and a toast to what's about to be the start of Big Ten play. A great sports weekend coming up. We're going to give our predictions heading into that before we get out of here. No Hans D today, but maybe we can do a little honorary who you got when you look at the conference championship slate on the college football side. A lot of good basketball matchups. You got the Big Ten play kicking off tonight, really. You look at Indiana's going to do battle against Maryland. You got Purdue against Northwestern. And tomorrow, Illinois and Rutgers as well. I mean, oh, by the way, UConn plays Kansas tonight. So uh, a lot to get excited about on a number of fronts uh, in terms of how that goes. But uh, with this being 24 hours essentially away from Illinois, tipping tipping it up there in Piscataway, let's talk about it. Let's dive into it. Let's give our final thoughts throughout the show on what we think between Illinois and Rutgers. Kyle, how you doing? You getting excited? You ready? I'm not saying I'm tired of talking about it, but the anticipation's to a point where we've broken it down a number of different ways. We know what this stretch means for Illinois. Let's let's see the games. Team about to take off probably here pretty soon. I had heard around 4 o'clock they'll be getting in the air and going out east, and they'll be there from tonight all the way through, I'd imagine, late Tuesday night after playing their game at Madison Square Garden. So let's find out. I think that's the big theme of, of this road trip for them is – Let's find out what this team's made of, and, and we'll have a lot better idea of how we feel on Illinois with their the resume, the eye test, and everything that comes with it after these next three games. Yeah, I just am so ready for a game that I can actually draw something from. Not that – I mean, it's just – you get what I'm saying here. Like we had, the, we had the Marquette had that, game yeah. where we got a, a taste of what this team is, and it, it – in that game, I mean, there were some positives for sure, but obviously you didn't end up winning that game at home, and the offense left a lot to be desired late in the game. And since then, I mean, we've seen some good things in these bye games from certain guys, but you know, you just can't really take much from those games that in the caliber of opponents Illinois played. They haven't left Champaign yet through the whole month of November, so you get to see them go on the road to incredible environments at Rutgers at Tennessee in these two of these next three games and obviously the Jimmy V's an awesome event on ESPN I am just so excited for some high level college basketball to get excited about that we'll actually get to see like you said what is this team made of have they improved from that Marquette game and and changed some things that we wanted to see uh and just up against a, a high caliber opponent some good defensive teams how does this team look and how good is this group? We don't. I mean, we have an we've have an idea that they're a pretty good team, but I, I think there's still a lot that needs to play out with this team over the next couple of weeks, and we'll really get a sense of hey, is this a true top of the Big Ten caliber team, or are there really some issues here that we have to work through as we get into the real stretch of conference play in January? We'll have a lot told to us through these next three, and that starts tomorrow against Rutgers, which I, I can't wait for. First Big Ten game. Now, since they've dropped these Big Ten games, you've sprinkled them into December. I think that started like four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. It's been I've loved it because you just kind of get a taste and, and 
it just feels like the season is truly back. Like you get November and you get a couple big games most years, but once you get that first sprinkle of Big Ten play, it feels like, all right, it's college basketball time now, especially now with college football winding down. Like you're in it now. You're in it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's a chance for Illinois to get off to a fast start in Big Ten play. It's going to heat up on the front end of January when they resume the meat there uh, of the conference slate. When you look at they'll host Northwestern, they'll go to Purdue, they'll host Michigan State, host Maryland at Michigan after that. So, uh, And then they'll see Rutgers again there uh, mid to late January. So uh, it, it's not easy. You don't really see any gimmies in there. Uh, you know, is Maryland as good as, as we thought they were going into the season so far? No, I'm, I'm very interested to see what they look like at Indiana tonight, Michigan State. Uh, you know, that's a, a home game along with the Terps there in January. Of course, you're not looking too far ahead, but I just think it's it kind of is the, the opportunity of, all right, if you're able to win at Rutgers, that gives you a nice start, and then you roll back into it and in January, and you're in a good spot of starting this thing back up within three of your next four in Big Ten play at home. If you lose this one, then you start to look at it and say, well, as we talked about yesterday, I think from a definitely from a if you just look at the teams on paper, if you look at Rutgers on paper, FAU on paper, Tennessee on paper, I think you'd agree with me. Just just take away the environment, which I know you can't, but this is going to be the the most gettable game as far as that sense. Like Illinois sure. is is more has more of an advantage over Rutgers in terms of their roster than they do against FAU than they do against Tennessee if they even have an advantage. Uh, obviously, the analytics and the the preseason prognosticators would say that Tennessee does but so that's the way I look at it we talked about it yesterday too like I think losing at home to Marquette amplifies the the need to get one or two of these uh, of the next three because you don't want to be 0-4 against high major opponents to start this season you don't want to come out of of December and go into January and maybe you know that those are really your four marquee games you can rope in Missouri as well and are you are you one and four in those games? Hope to God you're not one and five or zero oh and five, I should say. So I know the early bracketology stuff doesn't mean anything like in January, but you probably won't be in the tournament in that case. Like yeah. in the in the in yeah. then bracketology published publications from Joe Lenardi, like you'll right. have work to do to get in. Right. No, absolutely. And then the flip side of it is is obviously if you have a really successful stretch, you win at Rutgers. You win at least one of the next two after that against FAU or Tennessee. And look, let's not completely write off the idea that you could, could win all three of them. Tennessee's looked beatable. I mean, they've lost three straight for a reason. Uh, FAU is, I think, a, a tough test, but you won against a really tough team on the road in the Jimmy V last year against Texas. So uh, that could put you in a spot where you'd be able to put some signature wins in your belt and those could be very valuable as the season goes on. And uh, we'll, we'll find out a lot. We'll find out Illinois' ability to win away from home. We'll find out, I imagine, at least one of these is going to be a really tight game down the stretch. I think that's one thing that I wonder about this team is just, you know, what's that look like? How, how different is it? And you hope it is in terms of last year where they struggled in those moments, especially away from home. So uh, can they close down games Really, if you forget last year, better than they did against Marquette, they let an opportunity slip where they had a you know a two point lead with eleven minutes to go, and they make two of their next 
16 shots. So uh, we'll see what that looks like. I do want to mention a, a note from today and talking to Brad Underwood. He mentioned that Coleman Hawkins has been back on the practice court this week. He did not say with certainty that Coleman will play tomorrow, but he said he was hopeful that they'll have Coleman. The indications that, that I get from that is that uh, he will be in uniform and whether or not he'll start, we'll have to find that out. But sounds like he will be playing tomorrow. Uh, Terrence Shannon shared with us that uh, Coleman's looked pretty good on the practice court, if not better than he did prior to going out with the, the nagging knee injury. Of course, Illinois needs him to be better than what he was prior to being sidelined uh, after the first three games that he had to this season. If he can play better than that, and they, the line I definitely need it, that'll be a, a big determinant and probably you know how how well equipped Illinois is to have the the type of stretch here that they hope to have so Brad's been spending some time with Brett then with the non the non-answer to the injury <laughs> questions maybe a little bit maybe a little bit yeah I I would imagine that I, I think it kind of lined up perfectly where Coleman had this nagging knee injury. You had three games that you knew you could win comfortably without him. Plus, you had this week off without even playing any games. And it, it just kind of lined up perfectly for them to hold him out. And I would imagine that he would probably, unless it's way more serious than they let on originally, I would imagine he'll play. And I, I think he's been gearing up towards this stretch. He wants to be as healthy as possible. I don't know if he's going to be 100% healthy, but... I think that's kind of been based on kind of how they've played it so far with him. It, their eyes have been on this game tomorrow. That's at least how I've interpreted things. So Coleman being back, I think, is going to be huge. You just need him to play a lot better than he played early on in the season, and maybe injury was a part of that. And if he is healthier now, that that'll help him. But, man, you just need the best version of Coleman in these road games especially, in these these games where you're going to be in tight games and, and need offense late and need – especially we talked – we broke it down yesterday with the matchup with Amarui and, mm -hmm. and trying to pull him away from the rim and open up opportunities for other guys on the court. Like Coleman does all those things for your offense, and obviously he's probably your best overall defensive player as well and an anchor there. So – I'm excited to get him back. I hope that he is healthy and can play like the guy that we thought could be an NBA draft pick coming back, a guy who had a chance to leave last year, wanted to improve his draft stock. Hasn't done that so far in the three games he's played, but these games are the ones that scouts are going to turn on the film for, these high major games, these games against big-time big men, big-time elite defensive teams. Like These are the ones where you got to show out and – be your best self, and that also will coincide with Illinois being their best version of themselves. I just I hope that he, I hope he's healthy, and I hope that he is who we know he can be, and and he's at his best in this stretch because that's really the key. Like you asked the X factor question yesterday, like truly I believe Coleman Hawkins being good Coleman Hawkins is the X factor for Illinois, and it will be that way all season. Yeah, I was gonna say probably the the rest of the season is as big of a factor going forward as any, I think that thinking about if you're in a tight one at Rutgers and, and the crowd is going crazy and that defense for what it's been so far for Rutgers, I know they haven't played the toughest of schedules, but I wonder how this offense is able to execute in that. I wonder how they're going to be able to execute late, especially if it's a tight ball game against Tennessee. Florida Atlantic, I, I think they're far more geared at least so far. Um, towards the offensive end, and that's something where I'm going to be looking for Illinois' defense 
can they shut down John L. Davis, Elijah Martin? Not to say that they aren't decent at the defensive end as well, because I, I think they're top 40 defensive efficiency, but really in true road environments where you're facing a disruptive defense, Rutgers is purposely trying to ramp you up, turn you over, make you uncomfortable. Tennessee's very physical, and, and that should be a you know probably a packed house of 20,000 there in Knoxville next weekend. Can Illinois be sound? Can they be strong with the ball? What is what is Underwood dialing up in terms of lineup combinations? What is he, you know, does he want Luke Goody out there with Marcus Damask? Uh, how does that, is that meaning Quincy Guerrier is on the bench or uh, how, how do you kind of evaluate that? And then Brad's talked about, we, we've talked about it with Luke Goody too, adding more dynamics, more layers to the offense here with the fact you've played one game really in the last two weeks to get on the practice court, to try to take the next steps with your half-court offense. So uh, I would imagine this team has tried to address late-game scenarios. Maybe these are some plays to get Terrence shots. Maybe these are some plays to get Luke off a screen, to get Marcus Damask in a mid-post matchup, to on and on and on. So what is Illinois' identity late in ball games, and especially against those kind of defenses I hate. I mean, it's it's a broken record, and I know the reality of it is Illinois does not have a proven point guard. So, on one sense, it's I know some get annoyed by coming back to it because it's like the reality is Illinois not doesn't have one and is not going to have one between now and the end of the season. But still, you can you can bring up the the reference point of they don't have one of those. So, what does that mean, especially in crunch time? Because Illinois was was not very poised late against Marquette, not only in terms of just what what played out and how they weren't able to produce points in crunch time moments. They made sloppy turnovers. They just looked rushed and out of sorts and took bad shots. And it was hard not then to see Tyler Kolick with Marquette and say, you know, that that's a, a big difference. So uh, what does Illinois' offense look like? What steps did they take to try to right the ship in those moments? Because I, I have to think, you know, Ken Palm has it right now as Rutgers, or actually Illinois is a one-point favorite at Rutgers, they're a two-point dog to FAU. They're uh, a six-point dog to Tennessee. They're, they're expecting, for the most part, very close games, in particular the next two. What do you think that looks like late in games for this Illinois offense? Like, do you think it's – we know there's not a true point guard on the court. Do, do you think it's something where you want to see more sets implemented by, by Brad Underwood and, and more designs, specifically designed sets – do you want to see things run through Terrence Shannon? I, I kind of want to just see the ball in his hands all the time. Do you want to get Coleman involved out of the high post or off the top of the key trying to play make? What, is, what do you think that looks like? If you, if you were dialing it up, if you put your coach hat on heading into tomorrow's game and it's a tie game with three minutes left, what are you looking for on the offensive end? It's a great question, and obviously Brad gets paid a lot more than I do to yeah, figure that out. But, um, yeah, I think that – I agree with you. I want the ball in Terrence's hands. I just think that I think some sets would be nice to have some things that you can dial up uh, out of a, out of a set play that will will get a look for for Terrence to get a look maybe uh, for Luke uh, and then and within that within their base schemes like usually it's it's maybe Terrence in the corner uh, he comes up for a dribble handoff and then. Uh, they they know that that's kind of really playing into a you know Coleman's going to pop and, and I just think that there's there's an under there's a well understanding for Illinois standpoint of what they're doing within their base scheme but so it is for the defense you got to have some right. some kind of counters and unpredictability in that maybe when an opponent 
feels like Terrence is going to come up for that handoff, then you you can sneak a guy behind him and back screen him, and you get Terrence for a a quick hitter to the rim. Like just little little counters, little wrinkles within your your base stuff to try to try to keep teams off balance, especially in some of these games that you might see a look. Uh, you'll you'll show them a look that they haven't seen, or you'll try to deke them with okay. They'll in their scouting reports they're saying when they when they line up like this, this is what they're going to run, and then you do something differently. So so having some of those things within your 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 play call sheet, I think is important. I think it's also it's obviously also on the players right. to be able to run what is called to be able to, also just to to be able to play off of each other to have the read and react like we saw with I keep referencing you know the Justin Harmon cut late against Kansas that's not a design play that's just a read where he saw an open lane Coleman had the ball and he cut down the lane and Coleman was able to hit him for that that's not drawn up that's that's a veteran making a veteran play Illinois is a veteran team as a collective whole they haven't played maybe a ton together outside of a couple of guys so how does, as they go deeper into the season, we're now a month into it, do we see more of that? And I think that, you know, I, on paper, you, you put together a old team so that they play well in crunch time, they play well away from home. They're, they've been in a lot of these moments. Now that they're doing it together, can they make it more effective and successful together, if that makes sense? Yeah, it does for sure. I, I'm curious – what do you think the rotation will look like heading into these games? Because I feel like we've seen, we got a glimpse of what it was going to look like against Marquette. And then, I, you know, obviously you're going to play Drake gibbs and You're going to play Justin Harmon. You're going to play Dane Danger with Coleman out like 20-some minutes. Let's say Coleman's healthy. Do you think we see that rotation shortened again? Do you think they're going to need contributions from the freshmen, Dre, Amani, what is I, I'm curious also, where does Justin Harmon factor into this rotation? Because it feels like he hasn't given you a whole lot so far. He is a veteran, though. Is he a guy who Brad would trust on the court late? I'm, I'm curious, too. And then and Dane Danger as well. Mm-hmm. We've seen him in the two big games that they played. Kansas, Marquette, I believe he played three minutes and nine minutes in those two games. Sounds right. I, I just I don't know what to expect from that. If this is going to be a shortened rotation where you're going to ride those those starters with maybe Luke Goody getting twenty some, or if you're going to try to rely on some depth and really change things up, especially if you are struggling on the offensive end and need a spark and need a change of pace, how do you anticipate that'll play out? It's possible to go a different couple of different ways. Like if Coleman looks to be not in a rhythm, if he struggles or. or if there is any kind of mobility limitation, then then that obviously changes circumstances, and you, you might need a little bit more from Amani Hansberry to come in there. Uh, you might need Dane to play a, a more higher volume of, of minutes, which he's been doing here recently. But uh, if he is, and I assume that he's he's feeling pretty decent, that you'll roll him out there, play him twenty five minutes. Dane probably gets twenty. You know, I guess if he's playing twenty five, he gets fifteen off the bench in that kind of a range. And that can fluctuate based on, again, how Coleman's playing. If you like the way that Dane is battling, you know, if he has another good game like he did against Rutgers and Cliff Amori last year, then maybe you you gear that a little bit more towards him playing if if he is in a rhythm now. So, But, of course, it goes to the defensive end um, as well because there are times where – and I don't know that it would kill you against Rutgers because I 
to this point, their guards haven't shot the ball that well. But I think especially against Dane, with his drop coverage, there's a lot of kind of middle ground there in that mid-range that some guards can really hurt you because he's he's not going to get out there and, and show in terms of any kind of help defense or uh, be able to cover the same kind of ground as, as Coleman does. So uh, that plays into it too. So, yeah, I, I think that that's kind of how I see the front court playing out. I don't – I don't know that Dre will play a lot. I, it will probably boil down to you know who Underwood feels better about between Justin and, and Dre in terms of getting some backup minutes off the bench. Uh, Harmon right now averaging about 14, 15 minutes a game. Dre in that 14 minutes range as well. But uh, you know he didn't play a ton against Marquette. What did he play? Seven minutes against Marquette. Although Justin's minutes at times have not been uh, you know a whole lot either. He had 16 against. Uh, the Golden Eagles. So uh, I think that Brad will give the early nod to to Justin Harmon, a guy that defensively I think he's been pretty good. Now offensively, there have been some sort of stretches where he's just either been non-aggressive or just has not looked that good. He's turned it over, or taken some some bad shots, or just has failed to convert at the rim. Uh, but Dre is not hasn't had it going from three, and I, I just think he only trusts. Justin a lot more uh, defensively at this point in time, but uh, there's no doubt that you know if Illinois needs a spark, they can throw Dre out there and, and see what he can do. Uh, I just think it, it's going to be tough early for him to be able to do that, you know, at a, a place like Rutgers, uh, at a place like Tennessee. But I'm not saying that he's not capable of it. I mean, we see we saw Jaden Epps going against Texas last year in the Jimmy V and really make a nice impact. It was out of necessity. You had to play freshman last year. You don't have to play him this year. So how do you well, which way would you go with it? I, I that's the way I see it. Uh, how much would you want to see Drake Lawhorn going into this weekend? I mean, I I agree with everything you said. I I do think it's when you think about what Rutgers is and what they try to do and the the press and everything like that. Like it does scare me a freshman guard who you're going to trust with that. And I, I I don't know. I I think. He could be useful if you really are in a in a deep scoring drought and you just need a guy who you know can get you a bucket. I just I think Dre showed so much in a few of those early games. I I'm, I think it was opening night that he had 18 points and and just yes. was was dominant offensively for a stretch there in that game and and he just he shows flashes of this explosiveness and he's probably as athletic a guy as Illinois has on the roster. I feel like he needs to help you this year. Like he needs to put himself into a position where he can be trusted to play minutes in these big games. I, I just don't want it to be a situation where for, for multiple reasons, there's obviously the one reason of, well, if he's not getting enough minutes, is he going to leave mm-hmm. that whole thing? But also I just, I think he gives you something that you're going to need at times this year. And that is just a dynamic offensive option. Now he's obviously not at that point in terms of consistency yet, where, you know, he can come in and not make a bunch of mistakes, but the potential is there for him on the offensive end. I think he can be really valuable for you as just a spark plug offensively. And I want him to get to a point where you can trust him for at least 10 minutes a game, or you can really start to have trust in him. I just don't know how that'll ever happen unless you do play him through some things. Now, I'm, I'm not advocating for Brad to let him turn it over three times and keep yeah, him in in a, in a right. tight game. I'm not advocating for that. But, man, I just think he will be a valuable piece to this team come January, come February, come March. And I just I love the flashes that I've seen from him. He's, he's had some quiet games, and obviously the inconsistency's been there. I'm sure there's been plenty of defensive 
areas where he can grow as a freshman. But man, like I just is it is it fair to say that I just I I want to see him on the court. I think he can help this team in a big way, and I just want to make sure that he's not getting completely buried. No, I I agree with that. I think for sure. I, I just you'll have to you know test the waters out in terms of he goes on the road for and, sure, and how much. How does he respond to that? How, how many mistakes does he make? Does he turn it over? Uh, I think at times he's settled for the three a little bit too much. He's three for 16 from deep on the season. He's not the only freshman out there. He's not the only guy on his roster, unfortunately, out there that's not shot a great percentage from three to this point. But, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about it before. I think he's a guy that can can get in the lane because of his explosiveness. And I think Illinois needs more guys other than Shannon who will consistently get to the basket, get in the driving lanes, get in the gaps of the defense, and at least force a breakdown and, and be able to make a play from that. Uh, I think he has everything, you know, from an athletic standpoint, what you want defensively. He's just got some things to learn. He's going to have to be able to learn, you know, go through some growing pains and, and just see some things and, and understand uh, what needs to happen. But from an effort and athletic standpoint, I think, I think defensively he'll be okay and serviceable in that front. Uh, what's kind of interesting about it is that Going into the season, it was kind of f- framed and formulated of all right. Ty's probably our number one. Ty's our number one point guard. Dre's probably our number two point guard, and we really haven't seen Dre play point guard. And at times, we haven't seen Ty Rogers play a whole lot of true point guard. So uh, I think there was a little bit more of that against Western for Ty, but and that's not to say that Dre. I just think that was an avenue for Dre maybe to to establish more of a consistent role. It seemed to be gearing towards Nico Moretti was going to get that opportunity before having the foot issue, and we'll see how long he's out there. But I, I think that's one area where Dre could have maybe had a little bit more of an established spot in the rotation. Not to say that he can't grow into it. Not to say that uh, you know he can't find the find minutes regardless. But I, I think just kind of as you said, as a as a spark, and I, I think. I've even thought of this in terms of Moretti, and I, look, these are—I'm not trying to make this comparison, but it, there was a sense of like when Curbelo was a freshman, you could throw him in a game, and you would have a, a pretty good sense within the first few minutes that he was on the court whether he was going to impact the game. He was going to impact the game one way or another. He was going to make either a lot of great, really good plays. And change just kind of the pace of the game and just the the flow of Illinois, or he's going to make probably maybe two or three turnovers in a five minute stretch, and then you could just shelve him and say this is just not his night. I think I've, I've wondered about that with Moretti because of the the playmaking standpoint, but I think you can kind of use that same kind of gauge with Dre too. Of maybe he goes out there and he makes his first two shots, and and he's competing and on defense, and he's just kind of giving you athleticism and energy, and, and especially in like an up and down up and down kind of game. Maybe he goes out there and, and takes a bad shot and, ha- and turns it over. Then I know it's it's tough as a player probably to play with that that tight of a okay, these first 4 minutes are so important to me because if I if I mess up, I may not play again and if you know, I need to make a shot here to stay on the court, but I just feel like that might be what's going to happen for Dre and maybe even when Nico comes back is that Brad's going to lean on his vets but maybe give the young guys an opportunity at some point in the game and just kind of get get a feel of all right this is this is their night or it's not that makes sense yeah that makes sense for sure 
I just I I, I think he's going to be a good player down the line, and obviously the the discussions will be had if he doesn't play a whole lot about all the off court stuff. But I just want to see what he has. I think he could be helpful to this team but at the same time you obviously don't want a guy who's hurting you or he's yeah, just yeah. overwhelmed by the environment or by the pressure that uh, Rutgers is putting on him so well, well one of those guys between him and Harmon have to play yeah so that's true there's going to be Absolutely. internal competition between those two it's it's they got to ride with one of those guys so we'll see ultimately what that looks like as they they battle it out yeah real quick before we get a break here when Moretti is healthy again do you think he can give you real minutes it felt like he was proving himself a little bit in the game that he got hurt that was that against western or was that the game before it was against southern southern get southern it was like he was showing you something for kind of the first time like hey maybe Maybe I'm an option here against Rutgers if you need some some ball handling. Maybe I'm an option here, and it felt like I I, I don't necessarily want to say that that performance was like oh well he's completely worked himself into the rotation now, but it felt like there was some potential that he showed there. When he does get healthy again, do you think that he can be a part of this rotation, or do you think that's probably going to be a pretty large hill for him to climb I think that they were preparing as if he was going to get a real shot at it like they were preparing to give him that opportunity to really be the the number two point guard you know the backup point guard off the bench essentially uh, and see how that looked now when you're playing southern and you're he had some good minutes against Valpo too uh, you know we're talking about teams that are in the 300s for a reason so uh, I, I don't want to take away from what Nico did I thought he played really well I thought he plays with good pace I think he sees the floor and Illinois obviously at times has just looked very different in terms of you know without him or without just a guy facilitating offense they can look stagnant they can be a team that just has been three happy that hasn't gotten the ball inside and 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 hasn't moved it with a lot of flow when Nico was out in those games uh he was he was definitely providing that so uh I've still held back you know a decent amount of judgment because I wonder what he'll look like defensively against those kind of teams because we didn't right. see him I don't think he played at all against Marquette nope I don't know that he played more than two or three minutes against Kansas and yes those are I mean those are really high level opponents but that's kind of where I'm still wondering what that would have looked like even if he was fully healthy I think if let's say he didn't he didn't get hurt and he played against Western, and then now you're gearing up for Rutgers. I think he would definitely get minutes going into Saturday. It would just kind of be another sense of a gauge of, okay, is he is he hurting us defensively? That's something they still got to learn. I mean, they're seeing it on the practice court in terms of what he looks like against their other guys, but there's another uh, level of it when you're in a game. And, you know, he's not the most athletic. He's not the strong. He's still pretty slender. Um, so I think that's something that where I, going into the year, had heard good things about him as an offensive player. I still thought he was probably a year away from being a consistent contributor because of that strength or, or because of some defensive deficiencies. But uh, I, I, I will concede that he looked in those games against low major teams. He looked better than I would have expected at that point in the season. So uh, we'll see how that goes. If you want to weigh in, you can. 217-359-2255 in the U of I Atlanta Link text line. We'll talk more Illinois and Rutgers. We're also going to hit you with our predictions for this upcoming weekend's college football playoff picture and, and what that how that's going to shake out with the conference championship games. We'll do that 
before we get out of here. Uh, Brad Underwood spoke to the media today, so Terrence Shannon Jr. will get you both of those. Let's do Brad on the other side of this break. You'll hear from the Atlanta head coach as they get ready to go to Piscataway. This is The Drive. You moved into your new home using two men in a truck. The garage was clean. Then... I love the new recliner. What are we going to do with this old one? Put it in the garage for now. Over time, this cycle continued. Garage for now, put it in the garage for now, put it in the garage for now, put it in the garage for now. <laughs> it happens. You got junk. Call two men in a truck to get rid of all your junk. Residential or commercial, two men in a truck has a solution for your junk removal. Contact them at twomenchampagne.com. Two men in a truck. Bet like the pros with the world's largest sports book right at your fingertips. Circus Sports is now available in Illinois. Hi, I'm Derek Stevens. I've been a lifelong sports better and I'm the owner of Circus Sports. We're excited that the Circus Sports app is now ready for action. Experience big app bets with high betting limits, tight money line splits, and more. Now you can download, fund, and bet like a pro from anywhere in Illinois. Download your new bookie today at CircusSports.com. If you or someone you know may have a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER or text ILGAMB to 833-234. Don't miss your chance to cheer on Fighting Illini basketball this season. Deafening in here, 15,000, another sellout. We need all of Illini Nation to help us defend State Farm Center. And Illinois overcomes their largest deficit of the season. Great seat locations are still available for you to see Illinois basketball live this season. The Illini win it. Get your tickets today at FightingIllini.com. Everybody needs insurance, and that's why I love Kyle Lewis at Insurance Providers Group. This is Jay Lehman, All-American linebacker. Kyle provides auto, life, health, and all kinds of commercial lines of insurance. They are my one-stop shop for all my insurance needs, and all my rental properties are insured by IPG. That's why you need to email Kyle at IPGINS.com. Kyle at IPGINS.com. Get the roof your home deserves by Roof Doctors, your residential roofing specialist that has always offered the best warranties in the industry, like our non-prorated 50-year warranty. Our customers love that we are family-owned and locally operated. We make our customer needs our top priority. With over 30 years' experience and the best customer service, give Roof Doctors a call today for your free estimate at 328-7529. In your community and for your community, Roof Doctors. Hi, this is Chris Jackson with Kramer Siding and Window. And whatever your project, you can count on Kramer Siding to offer you the best products backed by the best warranties in the business, as well as Central Illinois employees dedicated to providing you with professional installation and a lifetime of great customer service. And right now, you can save 10% on roofing, sunrooms, and decks, get 15% off gutter helmet, and you can save 25% on preservation siding, windows, and doors. So call today or visit us at kramersiding.com and let's get started on your project. Hi, it's Stevie J. So I took my mom into Audubel, owned by Jeff Hanley, who owns 13 locations around central Illinois. She's had so much trouble hearing for so long. Audubel, A-U-D-I-B-E-L, for hearing. And some of the new technologies, they've got AI now for some of these hearing aids, and, and they're virtually in, invisible. It's unbelievable, and it helped my mom. It helped her incredibly. We've been to other places. This is by far the best place I've ever been in for hearing help. Go to audibelteam.com. That's A-U-D-I-B-E-L. If you want more information about Audibel and how Jeff Hanley and his amazing culture and amazing team that they have, go to audibelteam.com. 
audibelteam.com. That's A-U-D-I-B-E-L, audibelteam.com. You'll be so happy you found Audibel. Amazing work. They got a location in Champaign. Go to audibelteam.com. That's audibelteam.com. Everybody needs insurance, and that's why I love Kyle Lewis at Insurance Providers Group. This is Jay Lehman, All-American linebacker. Kyle provides auto, life, health, and all kinds of commercial lines of insurance. They are my one-stop shop for all my insurance needs, and all my rental properties are insured by IPG. That's why you need to email Kyle at IPGINS.com. Kyle at IPGINS.com. Um, I hope these have been uh, productive days. I think so. Uh, we had um, three really, really, really good, intense uh, kind of start of the year practices. Uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we took Wednesday off and, and then have gotten back into uh, game prep mode. There's obviously, a, uh, you know, it's, a, it's the great challenge of the preseason is now you throw a league game in and, and uh I've uh, got so much respect for Steve, uh, the program that he has built. Um, you know, they're one of the top defensive teams in the country. Uh, every year, this year is no different. Uh, Cliff in the middle uh, provides a, a, a lot of different challenges uh, from his ability to run, shot block, and then he can guard multiple positions as well. So um, uh, a little different Rutgers team, and they've got a little – a little smaller backcourt. This has been a really big physical team in the past in terms of their guards. Uh, Simpson is having a phenomenal year. Uh, Noah Fernandez uh, coming over from UMass uh, has provided them some some uh, some offensive punch shooting it and and uh, uh, as well as on the defensive side. So uh, a team that presses, a team that is I think they're number one in the country in uh, length of possession. On defense, uh, their press eats up a lot of clock, and and uh, they play into a lot of short shot clock uh, opportunities uh, with their opponents. So, a team that is uh, very very good, a place that's uh, very challenging to go win at, and uh, that's a that's our challenge as we uh, head into uh, Saturday afternoon's uh, game. Is there something that stands out about progress made this week? Yeah, you know, I think just the intensity. I think just the uh, we we've worked very very hard on execution on the offensive side. We spent two of those days almost all offensively, uh, trying to clean up some things. Uh, uh, you know, just little things. Um, you know, I think we've we've um, we've played up and down a lot, uh, which is very unusual this time of year. So it's nice to have those breaks and, and be able to do that. So. Uh, but just kind of an ex- execution, cleanup, uh, especially on the offensive side. You have an update on Coleman or Nico? Coleman's been in practice. Nico's on the road to recovery, so he, uh, uh, you know, he'll continue to be uh, going through that process. Do you expect Coleman to play? I hope so. I hope so. We'll see as game goes. He's practicing. He's been a, he's been an active participant, and, and uh, we'll make that on decision game time. I guess if you're facing a short shot clock offense, what's important in terms of maybe half court execution if you've only got maybe a limited time? Yeah, you've got to you've got to do a great job of screening. You've got to do a great job of execution. Uh, sometimes not all of your pieces are going to be exactly set the way you want them to be. Um, you know, and I think that's one of the advantages that uh, um, 
we have is we don't have to have exact pieces um, anywhere. We can kind of flow into our our open stuff, our flow. Uh, but um, again, you've got to uh, um, be very diligent in what you're doing. You can't waste time and you can't take three or four dribbles and try to get people set up to run a set. That's when they are very, very successful. The good thing is we don't do a lot of that. What did you learn about your team through this first month and this non-con that you can carry into these two games? I know I like them a lot. Um, I think we've got a big upside. I think that uh, the Marquette game showed us that. Um, I think that uh, um, defensively we've been very, very solid as we've been, I think we're 11th today uh, defensively. Um, I think we've uh, still got a lot of room to grow. Um, and I've seen a lot of growth, especially in our young guys and our newcomers. Uh, you know, Marcus is, has been a guy that's been been – I've been extremely pleased with. He's done nothing but fill the stat sheet. He's playing multiple positions. Um, you know, Quincy has become an elite rebounder. Uh, you know, 15 in one game's a ton. Uh, so I, I've been very, very pleased with the newcomers. And, and uh, you know, you play a lot of those games without Coleman. Um, so there was opportunities there. Uh, that's the downside is we haven't had Coleman, so we haven't kind of developed that flow offensively. And we've, we've tried to work on that this week. To make it easier with that flow, just given Coleman's been here four years and kind of knows what you're after, or is it just a whole new thing with the new team? No, it's 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 chemistry. Um, you know, Coleman gives you a nice luxury because he can you know he can handle it, he can pass it. He's you know he's he's a guy we've seen make five or six threes in a game uh, before. He can really shoot it. Uh, you know, the, what the Kansas exhibition he made four or five, and um, you know that that opens the floor up. So. Um, you know, Dane is, is was was dominant uh, in this stretch. You know, shooting seventy plus percent from the field and uh, finding opportunities for him uh, was vital. Uh, so I, I like that. We played uh, uh, a lot of different lineups here in the last few days, which is, is positive. I'm excited about that to see that that growth as well. Luke told us last week the practice time allowed you to build off your base schemes offensively. How has that process gone? And what do you expect in there? Yeah, you know, you, the thing is, you, that's that's the beauty of the preseason. You find out what works and you find out what doesn't. And, um, you know, I think, and then you can you can build from it. Our, our base stuff we feel great about. And, uh, you know, I thought we've um, we got a little bit stagnant um, at times in terms of driving the ball, in terms of, of, of not getting to the foul line as much. Uh, you know, we got there 26 times in the second half in the, in the Kansas exhibition. And... Uh, uh, that's something that uh, uh, this team has to get back to. And, uh, you know, we've got guys that uh, uh, have the ability to do that, and we've got to continue to grow on the offensive rebounding area and score. Uh, but, um, again, we've, we've, we've added some things, and that's been nice to, to have, that, have the luxury and have the time to, to fine-tune those things. As a whole, what do you expect to learn in these next three games, Brett? Yeah, a lot. That's why we play them. Um, you know, there's there's... There's no tougher place to play than the rack. Uh, then you go to Madison Square Garden and you get a Final Four team with everybody back, uh, who's you know they're playing great. Uh, I haven't watched them yet, but uh, uh, my staff tells me they're playing well. Uh, you know, and then you go to Tennessee and you you know I, I've known Rick forever and know you, you know exactly what you're getting when you get one of his teams and uh, you know pick to win the SEC. Um, so, you know, we've got to find out how tough we are. We've got to find out if our defense is, uh, if our defense travels. Uh, we've got to find out, uh, 
who's got the ability to, uh, to to elevate their game when they need to against top level competition. So, Terrence being as consistent as he's been from three to start the year, how much does that help you offensively? A lot. You know, he's forty plus percent. He's you know he's making shots. Um, we don't want him to fall in love with that. You know, because he's an elite uh, elite driver of the ball. Uh, he's a guy that. Uh, you know, should be one of the tops in the country getting to the foul line with that ability as well. But, uh, you know, it shows that hard work pays off. Uh, he spent a ton of time in the offseason working on that uh, um, working on that aspect of his game. Um, so, you know, it just, it just creates more space. I think Luke has helped. Uh, I think when we get Quincy and, and, and Marcus shooting it like they're capable of, uh, Draven shooting it like he's capable, I think that um, you know, this becomes a really, really potent three-point shooting team, which then makes Terrence uh, really, really hard to guard. And you mentioned his risk before. How's that progressing? And, and like, is that something you think he'll have to deal with? No, I think he's good. I think he's good now. I think he's he's still on the road. To, he's still getting treatment on it every day. But uh, uh, you know, again, I I went through this the last three days and and watched all his makes last season. And I mean, you know, he's a kid who shot it. At a really high level, and and uh, you know he's he's you know if, when you're in a, in a in a little bit of a slump or you're fighting an injury or whatever, you got to keep shooting it. And uh, you know I've told him the only way I won't play is pass up shots. So he's got to keep shooting that thing, and and uh, uh, those things will start going in. He'll have a night where he makes four or five here pretty soon. Yeah, pretty solid base defensively in those first six games. What did you maybe address in the last? Scouting report mistakes um, has been a has been a big key. Um, you know we've 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 got to know. You know I think that's one of the things with with young teams in terms of uh, what we struggled with last year. Uh, this is a veteran team, but we're making too many uh, for for the the maturity of this team. You know this team should have games where they have two or three scouting report mistakes, and we're making. You know, twice that seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, and it's it's really practicing boredom, practicing the same stuff over and over and over again until it becomes habit. Most of them are communication based uh, mistakes. Uh, those are the things that um, uh, we can avoid. Uh, we have to eliminate. Um, you know, and then it's processing. You hear you hear a call. You know, especially in a ball screen, you've got to process. You've got to you've got to shut, shift your feet. And if you do that late, it's 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 not good. So we've worked really hard on that. Um, and again, we've we've got to continue to to uh, you know do what we do every day in terms of working on our ball screen defense. They're top five in the country in turning people over. What do you need to see out of your team to make sure you handle that well? Yeah, just you know, I I don't get too wrapped up into um, Early stats sometimes the you know they 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 do they turn people over the the press is comes at you in a couple different waves it comes at you with you run shot clock sometimes they're a little more aggressive uh, you know, pass the ball to the open guy you know and that's uh, they're going to collapse when you get the ball in the paint they're handsy uh, Noah Fernandez has got got great hands and, and quickness at the, the guard spot um, but uh, you know I think Kansas was two or three and defense right now and, and we did okay against them so we just got past the ball the open guy and and uh, be ball tough. If Coleman is limited during this week at all what does that mean for Amani and what you need out of him as a freshman? 
Well, he's the one guy in the gym right now shooting. Uh, it's not for lack of work. He, uh, he works his tail off. And, um, you know, Monty's very high IQ. Um, he, does a, uh, he does a great job of, of connecting offensively. He's a great passer. He's got great feel. You know, I think he's still figuring out, you know, in the interior where he gets his points and how he gets them and, and, and angles. Uh, but there'll be no doubt he'll have to, um, he'll have to be a, uh, you know, a guy defensively that keeps being physical, a guy that keeps blocking out. And, uh, you know, his numbers, uh, uh, you know, can always be dialed up at any time. Seemed like whenever you and Steve's teams get together, it's one of those parking lot brawls. Is that, is that something you've seen as well? And how much is it just one of those? You better yeah. bring it from a toughness standpoint. Yeah, we've set basketball back a couple times, um, <laughs> you know, in, in, a, in a couple of games. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I think that uh, I have tremendous respect for Steve because of the way he goes about it. It's very similar to us. And, um, you know, they've, they've got really tough kids and, He's built a program that's, I think he's maybe in year eight, had a year ahead of me maybe, and, and I think he's found success because of toughness and, be, and because of grit. And, and uh, uh, usually when two teams get together like that, it can be a little ugly at times, and I don't expect uh, tomorrow's game to be any different. Like every bank, there's a time every day when we stop making loans. But at Iroquois Federal, we never stop making a difference. Thanks to an amazing team of employees who give back to their local communities all over central Illinois. From hospital boards and local school programs to Kiwanis and the United Way, Iroquois Federal employees donated more than 1,000 volunteer hours last year. And we'll do it again next year because the only thing we like more than making a loan is making a difference. Iroquois Federal. Still friendly. Still local. Still here. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. Crossroads Contractor Supply specializes in the delivery of tools and supplies within a 150-mile radius of Champaign-Urbana. Reliable, timely, and with reasonable prices, Crossroads Contractor Supply knows what equipment and tools are needed for your job. Their slogan, we have it when you need it. Get the job done right with proper tools and equipment. Did something break? Construction materials as well as safety equipment all available. Call 402-8123. Visit Crossroads Contractor Supply IL. Don't miss your chance to cheer on Fighting Illini basketball this season. Deafening in here, 15,000, another sellout. We need all of Illini Nation to help us defend State Farm Center. And Illinois overcomes their largest deficit of the season. Great seat locations are still available for you to see Illinois basketball live this season. The Illini win it. Get your tickets today at FightingIllini.com. Back in the drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Let's get to a couple of texts before we finish out this hour on the U of I Atlanta Lake text line. A 217 says, making free throws and cutting back on turnovers is two keys for the Illini in order to improve, no doubt. Now, we talked about that yesterday, especially the free throw shooting. Two teams that do not shoot it well at the line, Illinois and Rutgers. But, yes, big picture pushing forward. I, I dropped the stat to be 360th of 362 D1 teams. There is not another high major team that shoots it worse at the free throw line than Illinois. And kind of what's crazy about it is that Sincere Harris is not part of that equation. 
And Sincere Harris shot four for 20 at the free throw line last year. So it could have actually been worse (laughs) than it currently is. Still a one-month sample size, of course, but it needs to get better. It was poor last year. You think about tight games. You think about just as you would look back on a – on certain opportunities in the one and one or look, you play, you play in the big 10, you play a tough schedule. There are games that will come down to the wire. that will be decided by a possession or two. And that can be the difference between winning and losing, not only in the regular season, but also in the postseason. So there are certain guys late in games that you just simply don't want out on the court. And I think that's to circle it back out our previous discussion about your know, Justin Harmon. If you think back to the closing time minutes against Kansas, Ty Rogers wasn't out there at all because Illinois had a lead and they didn't want to be in a situation where he was going to get fouled. They actually played Justin Harmon down the stretch. So uh, that's a role that Justin and both Dre can kind of angle for too, is that, and I, I again think that Brad would probably lean on the veteran in that sense, but turnover is another big thing that I'm looking forward to tomorrow because Rutgers right now is top five in the country and turning people over defensively. They're going to press you. They're going to be really active. Whenever you try to drive, there's help defenders swatting at the ball and trying to, to get dig that thing out of there. So uh, Illinois being able to, to run their offense against that kind of ball pressure and be able to just be sound with it is going to be very, very key. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty simple. If Illinois turns it over like 17, 18 times, they'll lose tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. they do, they just can't can't allow that to happen. They got to be strong, especially if Rutgers presses them early, tries to test their ball handlers. You got to be strong with the basketball, take care of the ball, and uh, yeah, you you can't let Rutgers do what they want to do, and that is turn you over, get out in transition, get easy buckets. If you can if you can just make this a half court first half court game, like I don't I don't necessarily think Rutgers is going to have a whole lot of success there either. That's when it just becomes a toss up of which team is better half court defensively, which team has the playmakers offensively and the scorers offensively to to execute. And honestly, even with as much as Illinois has struggled at that, I still think I'd give them the edge there, just knowing you got Terrence Shannon on the court and knowing you've got these guys and just your overall lineup is so much better. But if you let Rutgers turn you over and, and really pressure you, like it's going to be a long day. Absolutely. Let's talk more about this matchup as we go along. McLean Stahl of Game Day Spirit is going to join us next to tell us about the stadium sale going on at Memorial Stadium coming up this weekend. But, yes, give us our, more of your thoughts. Illinois and Rutgers on the U of I Atlantic text line, 217-359-2255. We'll be back. This is The Drive.